back, and I mean welcome back, <laughs> to another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. Uh, this is Sean, along with Scott. Yeah, hi. And Tony. Hey! I made a mistake, because I usually introduce Tony before Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all but right. I was looking at my left, so it was more of a directional thing. I'm his right-hand girl. Yes. Uh, there is no, in any way, shape, or form, preference one way or the other with that. Um... And it kills the show. I have not done this in a while for some <laughs> odd reason. I can't think of what it is, but we have not yeah. taped since last mm-hmm. March. I don't know what you guys have been up to. We just have not gotten around to it for some reason. You know, life's been busy. I got married, got a puppy, went on vacation, stayed uh, in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I worked and watched TV. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Which is a great segue. It, it is. It is. It's a perfect segue. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, we went through what everybody else went through was the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, now, all of us have been vaxxed, and we are all sitting next to each other, and we're doing fine. Which feels so good. Can mm-hmm. I just say it feels so good to yeah. mm-hmm. look at you guys, be at the old Oakwood table. <laughs> We've. I was thinking about this today. We filmed nearly just about, I mean... Probably eighty five percent of our episodes at this table. Yeah. Yes, and a lot of episodes. So cool. Yeah. yeah, and we're still doing it, and it feels good to be back. And um, yes, this is a sacred table that we're finally engaged in as a group. You know, it's yes. like almost a religious experience. It is. Uh, I had mentioned television earlier, and we're actually going to do kind of a slight segue and topic to TV. Yeah. We yeah. usually don't cover TV here, and it's kind of cool that we're actually kind of steeping into it because we all love. Not only do we love television, but we love the topic we're going to discuss today, sitcoms. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of sitcoms. I'm an 80s kid, admittedly, so, and I have a lot of vintage tastes, so a lot of my sitcom favorites tend to be from like the 70s and 80s, um, and some in other eras too, but that seems to be my dominant. I used to watch sitcoms religiously as a kid, and my mm-hmm. mother and my father would, would introduce us to some of their favorites. One in particular, my dad would watch religiously nonstop. Oh, we'll, boy. We'll, Andy Griffin. <laughs> yes, we'll be, we'll be addressing that. Oh, this is shout out to Ed. I still yeah. don't like that show. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's aware. He's always been aware of that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, today we're actually going to talk about a specific aspect of sitcoms, the characters. That's yes. what drives a sitcom. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be giving you in a few episodes, it's going to be a two-parter. Yeah, stay tuned. Our <laughs> top ten favorite sitcom characters. Yes. Um. How do you guys feel in general about sitcoms? Do you guys watch them a lot, or is it one of your favorite genres? How do you think it's evolved over the years? We'll start with Tony and go with Scott. Yeah, well, you guys know I'm I'm very proudly a 90s kid, mm-hmm. hashtag 90s kid. So sitcoms were rampant in the 90s, you know, in so many ways. TGIF, I was a faithful watcher of TGIF and mm-hmm. SNCC on Nickelodeon, which isn't quite sitcom territory. But um, uh, needless to say, I loved Nick at Night. So I watched so many classic sitcoms from Nick at Night. You guys also know I love Turner Classic Movies, so that was yeah. movies. But, you know, it's it's interesting. I was never really a huge TV pro- – or, yeah, a huge TV watcher. I found solace in movies. And, of course, that's we all do. That's mm-hmm. why we have this movie-themed podcast. So um, growing up, I was more in tune with popping in a movie, going to Blockbuster, renting a movie. But – because I had a TV and it was the 90s, I would fall into, you know, catching sitcoms, current ones that were happening in that moment, as well as, you know, sitcoms throughout the decades. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting because when I was compiling this list today, some of my picks for, you know, top TV characters 
I thought, wow, would I have had this same? I, as the decades have changed and I've aged and evolved, this list would certainly be different. You know, mm -hmm. so it's interesting. But um, but yeah, growing up, I really was not a huge TV watcher outside of, you know, what was happening in that moment. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I mentioned uh, earlier that Scott and I grew up with a lot of sitcoms. Mm -hmm. Scott, what's your experience with sitcoms? Uh, something that you delve into a lot? Or? Yeah, I, I remember watching them. <laughs> 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 I mean, we watched, I mean... You kind of don't want to. Yeah, we watched all the uh, the uh, you know the NBC in the '80s was big because it had a lot of family sitcoms on there. Um, you know, like the Cosby Show and Family Ties, which Cosby Show is not a family show anymore. Um, just in a meta kind of way, but um, yeah, I mean, I remember watching. I I used to watch TGIF as well. I mean, you know, Perfect Strangers and. And uh, Family Matters. I don't. I think he, I even knew that some of those shows weren't great, but mm -hmm. I still watched them because on Friday night you go to the mall or you go hang out and yeah. you come home and it was on TV and you just watch it. Um, yeah, so it was just kind of like, a, you know, some that those sitcoms were good to watch while you're eating pizza or something. Exactly. Or, or, or waiting or waiting for <laughs> waiting to put in a movie that you rented <laughs> or something. <laughs> for me, they were. Other people, they probably were, were great, but. Uh, you know, obviously, in, in the 90s, you know, you got, you know, as I got older, you know, my taste in sitcoms, you know, evolved mm -hmm. to, you know, Seinfeld and, you know, The Simpsons and all those, you know, just big, big, you know. But you probably liked The Simpsons in the 90s, I imagine. Well, it came out in 89, so yeah, it was basically, I mean, yeah, yeah, The yeah. Simpsons in the 90s. Yeah, the 90s. yeah, as a kid, you could appreciate Oh, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, Bart Simpson was the biggest. I mean, we'll talk about characters. We don't want to go. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But um, yeah, it, I was into that. I mean, I, we watched TV. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. like there were certain. Now, I was a big SNL watcher, which is obviously different than sitcoms. But oh yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. I, I'm a huge SNL yeah, fan as when well. It came to TV, especially with comedy. I loved comedy as a kid, and I still do. Me too. Um, with sitcoms, I actually got into it like you. I watched Nick at Night in the 80s when it was debuting, and they had a lot of these obscure sitcoms from the 50s and 60s that I, had, at that point, had never heard of or had seen before, and it was kind of fun. I have an honorable mention with one of those sitcoms coming up that I realized I should have put on the list yeah. <laughs> as we're talking. But um, but I love sitcoms. I actually had this book called the, the, the History of TV Sitcoms. I would go through each sitcom for decades up until like 86, 87. I owned this in 1988. That's oh, how wow. long I've been involved wow. with this stuff. And it was, Have they made an updated version for the uh, decades I'm sure there's a million. Yeah. Uh, I haven't bought it since 1987 or 88, so I'm sure there's a big, huge mm -hmm. edition. Or they probably have other books that kind of cover the same territory. But uh, it went from, like, the 50s, and actually the 40s. Sitcoms started it because people started buying TVs in the 40s. Yeah. And so there was some, that's how far this goes back. Like it wasn't really until the, and all that, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't until the 50s that they really became popular yes. and, and household names mm -hmm. and, you know, like, part of the culture. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, that's kind of our kind of general assessment of sitcoms. I think now it's probably a good time to get, get into our list. Today we're going to be covering our 10 through 6. Well, one thing I will add is it's interesting as, you know, sitting here in 2021 and you you use the word sitcom, sitcoms are a little bit of a dying generation. They're a dying thing. TV shows today are more serial-based and, um, you know, for lack of a better word, movie-esque. 
They're they're really yeah. they're, there's far yeah. and few like actual by definition a sitcom. So it's just interesting. I'm curious to see well, how they, ev- it, they evolve from the multi camera yeah. audience to the audience to um, single, single camera, camera yes. yeah. which is more cinematic. Yes. there's no laugh track. Mm-hmm. And then that's that was a big deal. But and there's bigger, still there's, big production too. I mean, I think of shows like Game of Thrones. You know, huge production. Well, that, yeah, those are not sitcoms. You know, exactly. <laughs> but a lot of TV shows, The Crown, those are sort of following in that suit. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Those are cinematic. TV, shit, yeah. Yes, TV is shifting. You know, so I I, I wonder what they call you know, it. Uh, what uh, sitcoms will look like in the future? It will they call be. it prestige TV. Is that what they call yeah. it? Okay. Which okay. probably started with one of your favorite shows. Absolutely. Yeah. Which we'll get to. <laughs> yes. No doubt. <laughs> um, yeah, there has been an evolution, I think, as we cover our favorite characters on the list. And so we did celebrate, because characters do kind of, they have made their imprint on the culture. A lot mm-hmm. of characters from sitcoms. Um, I think we're going to see kind of the history of sitcoms through these characters as we go through our lists, too. Yeah. That'll be f- f- interesting. To start off, uh, I'll start with Tony. Uh, are there any... Honorable mentions you wanted to cover oh, before again. I'm, I'm going to so have many. some in my list, you, actually. Yeah, but. you know, I, I'm curious if we should wait till after to do honorable mentions. Or I think so because we might we might mention yeah. some that you know that we might spoil. spoil yeah, the yeah. list. So. But I certainly do have honorable mentions. I mean, you know, when I was curating this list, I really tried to hone in on the word character, and my list is is a beautiful blend of characters that resonate with me personally so you know just characters I love and see a little bit of myself in and then there are just you know other characters that I I chose because I feel like they were well written they were relevant they stand for something they had a huge impact in our culture and just kind of transcend you know um so I tried to keep all those different things in mind when I was making this list and with that being said there are so many great honorable mentions that didn't make my list but fall into that category, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many great characters out there. Um, this was a little overwhelming, frankly, mm-hmm. to craft this. And, you know, not being like a TV queen, I struggled a little, a little bit. But then I just did what I, what I just explained. And I said, who are really great characters? You know, well-written, well-thought-out characters that just touch, either touch me, touch a lot of people, you know, leave that imprint. So... That's sort of what I based my list off of, as well as peppering in some, some very Tony characters. Okay. Awesome. So. Awesome. Well, what's your number 10? Well, I'll start with a very Tony character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I feel like when you go back and edit this, Scott, you should enter in some special music right now before I say the character's <laughs> okay. name. Wow, but you're making me work now. <laughs> <laughs> my number 10 character, and you might be surprised, Scott, is Audrey Horn from Twin Peaks. Oh, that great sitcom. That great sitcom. That changed. <laughs> I'll allow it. That changed sitcoms for forever. Absolutely. <laughs> well, David yes. Lynch is a, is a, a genius. Go, go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say the show's very funny. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. I will say that. Uh, and odd, oddly enough, before we get to the character, I would say that David Lynch himself is extremely funny. Yeah. Not only on that show, but yeah. in anything I've seen him in, which shocks me. In, in life, in general. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you guys now see why I'm obsessed with the man. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, Twin Peaks, you know, I didn't, um, it came out in 1990. I was a five-year-old girl at that point, so I definitely didn't watch it in real time. Really actually didn't discover it until it came on Netflix probably seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Watched the pilot episode, was 100% hooked. Um, it's just one of those shows that grabbed 
certainly grabbed my taste and many others. But it really was a, a trailblazer mm -hmm. in creating that serial um, sitcom. Mm -hmm. You know, most sitcoms up until that point had a story, and it it, it was over within the 30-minute time span of that episode. Mm -hmm. Not Twin Peaks. It, it evolved. Um, it certainly was a serial, literally, because it mm -hmm. was a drama, a murder mystery. But I love it, too, because it incorporates so many different genres. It's hilarious. There's comedy. There's romance. There's camp. Um, there's murder. There's mystery. There's science fiction. Uh, there's all kinds of it's a beautiful, you know, marriage of, of just about every movie genre out there. And it was, well, I'm just going to stop because I could do a whole podcast on how fabulous I think Twin Peaks is. But number 10, character Audrey Horn, my girl. The minute I saw her when she got out of that car in that pilot episode, I just was like, this woman is beautiful. And the character is just so mischievous, but there was an innocence to her. Um, there was a maturity, a wise beyond her years. Um, you know, the whole younger girl, older man vibe has always been a thing for me. Uh, I just love everything about Audrey Horn. I mean, is she maybe the best character uh, in, in uh, sitcom history? Probably not, but to Tony, she's somebody very special. And uh, I just love what she adds to that show. And it's interesting because that character was not actually written in the script. Um, David Lynch met Sherilyn Finn, the actress who played her, when he was... Uh, shooting Wild at Heart, she had a very small cameo. She played a dead girl or a yeah. dying girl on the side of the road, and they hit it off, became instant friends. And you guys know Lynch is one of those directors that tends to work with the same groups mm -hmm. of people. And he wrote that part in for Cheryl Ann because he really liked her and said, mm -hmm. "You've got something, kid." And um, and I love characters like that. I love the unlikely star, you know, the mm -hmm. character that wasn't really meant to steal the show but kind of does. Yeah. And Twin Peaks would be very different without Audrey. She is arguably many people's favorite character of the whole series. Yeah. Um, because she's stylish and, and you know, all the things I just said. You know, there's that mystery. There's the beauty. There's the naivety. There's the, the wisdom, the, you know, the spirit, the... Um, mischievousness. I think a lot of girls either see themselves in Audrey or they want to be Audrey, you know. Um, but I just think she adds so much value to that show. The show is very stylish in general to begin with, but um, yeah. Oh. She's just great. I love her. Excellent. I would say that's a very Lynchian move to include a Twin Peaks character on this list, too, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's so. uh, no, it's very, I mean, I picked Pinocchio, so. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, stretching the limits of, uh, you know, sometimes you just want to, yeah, I'm, I, the only thing I'm intrigued by, by knowing you, is that how low she is. On I, knew, I thought you'd be surprised by that. Yeah. Well, uh, remember, I told you how I curated this list, so. Yeah. Well, you did. That's true. That's true. You did, mm -hmm. you did explain that in firm um, detail. So, so Scott, <laughs> so mine is uh, it is an interesting one. Uh, I have a personal is a bull from Night Court. Ah. because ah. Um, uh, when I shaved my head, people said I looked like him. You did, <laughs> but also he was a he's a cool uh, he's played by a cool character actor. Um, he was in played a lot of monsters um, in other movies and everything. But yeah, he was just kind of like the dry, wisecracking. Um, Kind of just not even a main, like, mm -hmm. number six yeah. on the call sheet kind of character that I like. You know, it's not like, it, you know, a main yeah. cog, but uh, just has a funny, you know, he makes use of his time that he's on screen, which I think mm -hmm. I always appreciate, you know. 
It doesn't have, he doesn't get a lot of time on screen, but he makes great use of it. So those are always, in a lot of ways, are the most impressive kind of characters. Well, that's a lot like Audrey. She's not, I mean, if you watch that series, you know, she's not in every episode even, but very Yeah, memorable. in a completely different way. Yeah. She's not making one-line jokes. Exactly. She, she just makes an impression while she's yeah. not on the... Mm-hmm. Um, Bull was very quirky, yeah. you know, for his mm-hmm. size. Like, he was always kind of the gentle giant, but always made these kind of idiosyncratic, weird choices. Yeah, you know, yeah. Which is always kind of fun to watch that character evolve in that show. Yeah, yeah, and he was, yeah, exactly. He was weird, but, you know, exactly, gentle giant. You know, he was intimidating to look at, but at the same time, he was also very... He, His character was surprised you and what he was interested in and what, you know, what he would say. So that that, that was always intriguing. They also played off his strength really well as, as a kind of a comedic device on that show where he would... It was superhuman strength yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I always enjoyed those aspects where <laughs> somebody throw a wall and it would grow through a wall. And yeah, stuff. exactly. That... that that and other sitcoms have have used that trope later on, you know, you know this kind of, you know, Night Court was obviously a very influential show, you know, as far as the ensemble work, mm-hmm. um, work drama, work yeah. drama, a quirky ensemble work drama that really was kind of the absurdity was played up yes. more so than than uh, uh, you know other, other sitcoms, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was that was my number ten is Bull from Night Court. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. A doppelganger. <laughs> My choice for number 10 is a pretty well-known, pretty iconic character who has been on multiple shows, uh, certainly two classic shows, potentially I a third who, show. I think I know who it is. Uh, and it would be Dr. Fraser Crane mm-hmm. yeah. from uh, Cheers and Fraser, and potentially another Fraser <laughs> might be coming up. <laughs> I love Fraser. I've grown to appreciate the character I've always loved Fraser Crane as a character. I think as time goes on, I realize that he is one of those indelible characters that's going to go through history. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about that character is he debuted on the third season of Cheers as Diane Chambers' boyfriend. Yeah. Which usually, when you add in what might be an antagonistic role towards Sam, which never really became an antagonistic, which I love that they mm-hmm. did not go through that trope. But when I watched the debut of Frasier on Cheers, the first two episodes, when he was introduced as Diane's boyfriend, I'm amazed at how the audience gets into Frasier. And that's Kelsey Grammer's talent as an mm-hmm. actor, the actor who plays Frasier. It's so indelible and so lovable and relatable from mm-hmm. the very beginning. Because I think Frasier is much. Frasier is absolutely brilliant, but he is hapless with relationships and hapless with other aspects. Although he is a great psychiatrist and really cares about people and gives them great well, advice. Well, that's the fabulous irony about him. Yeah, is you know he's a fabulous psychiatrist, but he has an awful personal life. He can't manage his own relationships, but can tell you how to manage yours. Exactly. You know, that's the yeah. And I think that's what I love about Frasier mm-hmm. is it, that they didn't go through the route of making Frasier a villain as an antagonist towards Sam. They actually made both Sam and Frasier kind of the victims of, of Diane. Diane and Diane unknowingly <laughs> because she just can't help herself. Um, but. After Diane left, Frazier just became part of that ensemble mm-hmm. and, an, and an invaluable part. In fact, he almost shined on the second half of that show. I would agree. Um, one of my favorite episodes, and I hope people can look it out, is an episode where Frazier tries to get the bar interested in Charles Dickens. And, of course, they have no interest in, in literature. So as he starts reading A Tale of Two Cities, he starts embellishing aspects of it that didn't happen, like adding 
elements of it, like there's an evil clown in the sewer who's going to devour children whole. And all the people in Cheers get invested now in Dickens, thinking that he's a sick, twisted author because of what Frazier's embellishing. Mm -hmm. So that's the stuff I love. I, I actually think Frazier, in some ways, was funnier on Cheers than he was on his own show, even though he was still great. I agree. And, um, well, my number nine is actually Lilith. And Frasier. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That so that's is, why I was trying I'm to be a little quiet because I didn't want to take your thunder right, on right, that. Right, right, right. But I, yes. So everything you just said, I completely agree with. I think Frasier is so charming. It's probably the word I would use to describe him. Uh, yeah. And, and Lilith. I absolutely love Lilith. She is the unexpected, uh, like, diamond in the rough. You know, she, when you talk about people shining on the show and using their time wisely, Lilith was just written in as like a bit part. She wasn't supposed to actually be like a mainstream character and just came on to that show and just blew everybody away. And the two of them together, though, is kind of why it's like a tie because I love them together. Yeah. They're strong on their own, but in those scenes with the two of them, their banter, especially in the early, um, uh, the early episodes, like when mm. they're first dating and first meeting, you know, the whole, Lilith, I am going to kiss you. I'm going to kiss you hard. One of my favorite episodes and of Cheers. Yes, absolutely. And then just, yeah, just uh, everything about them is so quirky and cute and fun. And Lilith especially is just this totally unexpected tornado of delight. Like she walks into the scene, walks into the bar, just elevates, I think, whatever scene that she was in without taking away from it. I agree. And she's a, it, every time I watch that character, I feel like it's, it's an SNL character on a sitcom. And for that, I really love it. It's that you may not actually ever really meet someone like that. Cause they're a little too extreme, Yes, but you love it and yeah. you buy it and you want more of it. Well, B.B. Newworth makes it believable, too. Absolutely. She really humanizes totally. that character. And their chemistry is off the it's charts. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I missed her on Frasier, although she was on yeah. as the divorcee mm -hmm. coming yes. back, and they would make fun of her. So they were, that show was strong enough that they probably didn't need Lilith, but I really love the dynamics between Frasier and Lilith on Cheers. It's least, absolutely you know. fabulous. Unmatched. Unmatched. And, in fact, when I was going over the list this morning, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be fun if later we did, like, a TV couples, you know, which, of course, <laughs> I'd have to recycle Lilith and Frasier. But, um, yeah, I think... For everything you said about Frasier individually, I yeah. say the same about Lilith, and I say the same about them as a couple. That show needed them. The show is so much better with them than it ever was without them. Mm -hmm. um, I would argue great... there's there's another great couple on Cheers, well, too. Well, that's no doubt. Of course. But, well, but sure, still, sure. But they're yeah. still great. Uh... You just get sucked into Lilith and Frasier. The banter between them is almost like Hepburn and Tracy-esque. You know, it's just this charming, like, world when you find yourself just totally a part of believing it. Yeah. And and it's really no way in the world people like this actually function or exist, like, as oh, uptight yeah. and extreme they are. But um, That's an outstanding pick. I, I love yeah. that pick, picking it because they were such a great couple. Such a great couple. Uh, definitely one of the indelible. And Cheers was great at developing couples on yes, that show. They have some yes. of the best couples in sitcom history come Absolutely. from Cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Lilith, I think the Lilith character definitely influenced a lot of the dry mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, I mean, I, I have a hard time <laughs> when they were pitching uh, Adam's Family movie to uh, Christina Ricci. I don't, someone said, this Lilith, this play Lilith. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And she played, uh, she played Morticia on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. she's a renowned Broadway oh, actress, yeah. actually, you know, which was, which is another reason why I love oh, that's her perfect. just in general, but yeah. just a testament to how talented Babe is. Like, just, I mean, just going out there, doing this offbeat character, you think you're only in a two-episode yeah. gig, and then it turns into being one of the most beloved characters and couples, dynamics, yeah. Yeah. you know, in, in sitcom history. Like, kudos to her. I mean, and she oh, got yeah. it, and just how serious she was. And I was reading, you know, accounts about how she would crack up the other you know, actors because she was so committed. Yeah. And that's what makes Kelsey Grammer so great as Frasier is that level of commitment. And that's why the two of them, when they are together, it's just perfect because they're both as, it reminds me a little bit of like Leslie Nielsen. They have that like serious actor vibe that it's funny. Yeah. They, they commit. Yeah. They totally commit to it. And no matter how absurd it is, Mm -hmm. the, uh, you love it. Yeah. That, that, I should have said Angelica Houston, not Christina Ricci, but they're the same. Wednesday is definitely she, Angelica, yeah. Angelica Houston did play on the, in the like Disney movie of Morticia. Yeah, she played Adam's that. Yeah, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. definitely uh-huh. and and that's amazing that she played it in the It's like oh yeah, that's perfect mm-hmm. casting. And there's actually a sitcom Morticia we haven't even mentioned. On yeah, yeah, that was, list. that was yeah. I, the name alludes me of the actress. Yeah, right I can now, see her so, face, but yeah, I can't they, think of it. John Ashton played Gomez, terrific on that yes. show too. Yes. Um, so, so I can go to my uh, number nine. Yeah, my number nine is uh, Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yes, ah. yeah, so, Uncle Phil, played by James Avery, who also did the voice of Shredder. <laughs> so just to give him a shout out that he was, you know, if That's you were watching, t- if you were a kid watching TV in the nineties, you were James Avery was all over it. Um, no, just a great. I had a couple like I wanted a representation of a great father figure. You know, and I thought, oh, James Avery would be. I had another one in mind. I'll, I'll mention that in my honorable mentions. Um, but just the way it was a, just again, like a great actor who's you know got like all these credentials, but isn't a you know plays in this comedy, and just plays an authentic father figure. You know, and he's just kind of a foil for everybody else, but at the same time, yeah. um, he can do dramatic moments, but he can also do play against type you know um i mean fresh prince was a was a fun show uh for sure i mean it wasn't it was i think it's uneven in a lot of parts sometimes it does drama better than comedy which is i was just gonna say the scene that that one scene where will and uncle phil it's so heartbreaking when when will when will's father um basically abandons him again and will just cries and said why doesn't he want me Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that makes me tear up just talking about oh, it. Like, that was such a heartbreaking moment. There, there's a, I mean, there are, I don't know how many Fresh Prince characters you have on the, on the list. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you know, Carlton has those moments, too. He's a great, he's, yeah. Should, yeah. he should probably be an honorable mention, just as being a great, like, character that, yeah, I mean, hell, the Carlton dance, right? Like, oh, just, he's yeah. just, he's like an Urkel in that sense. Yeah, and it's, it, yeah. it's definitely uh, another show that replaced a character with another actor on it. One of those. Oh famous yeah, the mother. Yeah, <laughs> of the mother. But uh, yeah. no, I just, I, I just, I just, uh, you know, this is more or less an appreciation for someone that's not around anymore. James Avery sadly passed away, I think, a few he years did. ago. Yeah. Uh, but just, I love, I love big booming Shakespearean trained actors that are in these. I, I always, I'm always fascinated by them because I think they, they can enhance. That's exactly well, like, like, like Lilith. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I always felt like Fresh Prince in general as a cast, like I think the writing was fairly subs- maybe substandard or it basically was of its basic. Time. Yeah, it was, yeah. But I thought that cast overcompensated because they were so talented. Yeah. And oh, such just great the chemistry. Epic. And the chemistry. It was a true ensemble. It was. It was a great ensemble, you could, no doubt. You could give them no script and it would yeah. be fascinating to watch. Just say this and Jeffrey chemistry. and just the whole gamut. Oh, they gamut. had such yeah. incredible chemistry yeah. and they were... They had their characters down pat. It was mm-hmm. it was fun to watch. What I loved about James Avery as Uncle Phil was that he was a great television dad because he was Absolutely. strict. But even though they were wealthy, it was earned wealth. Mm-hmm. It was something he built up as his own empire. Mm-hmm. So he was really smart and really also understood Will better than anybody else. More mm-hmm. than Will probably thought he did because he probably saw Phil as this wealthy guy that was probably out of touch. But Phil got Will completely. Yeah, that some of the, the best episodes are when you find out Phil yes. went through similar things yeah. and wasn't it wasn't always easy, mm-hmm. you know. And those are those are those are the best episodes when they they no one tackled like real issues better than Fresh Prince. I mean, those special mm-hmm. episodes they just did them better because again, they the did. cast could deliver yeah, on that. Absolutely. They can. Yeah. And I think Phil, even though he wasn't a blood relative of Will on the show, I he thought was he was his, his uncle, wasn't he? He was his uncle. But was it my, was he the uncle by marriage or was he the blood by uncle? Marriage. Was it oh. sisters? The sisters? That's right, sisters. that's right, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> even though they replaced her, so they yeah. wasn't my blood. <laughs> but I felt like he was really Will's dad absolutely. at the end of the day. Like, the father really. figure. He was he was one of the great father figures. And, and you know, one of the messages I really love about that show, I appreciated it then and I appreciate it now is um, you know, especially in the 90s, it just seems like divorce, broken families, that was a common theme in movies, yeah. television shows, and Fresh Prince really nailed it with with the message of family is who the people who love you and yes. the people who accept you. Yes. They don't have to be blood. They don't have to be people you were born into. It's about who you make it with. And um, I, that, that's a message that really hits home for me personally and something that I think resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, um, Especially at that period in time, in the mid-90s. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it was a testament to the Uncle Phil character to say, hey, this isn't really even my blood relative, but this is a young man that needs a father. He needs a family, you know. And he and has I'm, three kids of his own. Absolutely, yeah. yeah he took in this other and kid. And he took in Will and treated him like his own. Yeah. You know, there was no um, uh, segregation there in any way, shape, or form. And, um, yeah, just the show, I think, had great family values in that sense. Uh, good characters that sort of, uh, ca- that found, that connected with just about anybody that may have watched it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a really important message to get out there is that mm-hmm. family comes yeah. from people that actually care for you and love you. I know many people in my periphery that are like Uncle Phil's, that they can take people under their wings that aren't necessarily their own children, and yet give them the advice that they would give their own children. That's a huge, generous thing to do. That's well, pure love to do something I was just like going to say, in that unconditional love that uh, is really unconditional because you're not their real father or mother. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have to love them. Sometimes that's more powerful and impactful you know, than coming from a, a um, biological parent. Yeah, you yeah. Know, absolutely. To, to say, hey, this person doesn't have to accept me and love me, and they're choosing to, you know, and, and they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. So that's great. A good choice, Scott. That's that's a great character to talk about. Yeah. Um, my number nine has also been deceased for many decades. <laughs> uh, it goes all the way back to probably the very beginning of what we sitcom? consider a TV sitcom, and maybe the most influential person to ever step foot on a sitcom. That would be. Lucille Ball as Lucy Ricardo. 
Yeah. I have a feeling this pick will rise up the ladder as time goes on because I'm rediscovering her work right now. And I'm telling you, that woman knew how to make you laugh. She was highly skilled, mm-hmm. physical, and just pure comedian, mm-hmm. uh, comic actor. She could just do her physicality is unparalleled. Like, I know people like Jim Carrey get a lot of credit, but Lucille Ball, just the efficiency of her physical comedy and her timing is so impeccable mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. perfect. The best example I can give is an episode of I Love Lucy in which William Holden's the guest star and they're in oh. Hollywood. And she's peeking over at the Brown Derby at William Holden's like seat and he decides to spy on her. And her reactions to him spying on her where she's trying to eat spaghetti and yes. not swallowing it. She had a great supporting cast, Vivian it's, Vance yes. as Ethel and, and Desi Arnaz. Desi, the two of them. Talk about TV couples, Yes, right? that I may mean, be the, the yes, pinnacle. The quintessential, yeah. He's so great on the show, he doesn't get enough credit for yeah. how great he and how funny he is. And the thing that makes him unique is he's a straight man is also a funny man. Yeah. He plays both roles. He's on that seesaw, you know? I mean, he has his neuroses just as much as Lucy yes. does. And I agree. I don't think he gets enough credit, too. Lu- Lucy, I mean, what? she's phenomenal. I that was yeah. one of the first TV shows I ever remembered watching as a kid on Nick at Night, and just being kind of blown away with her um, in some aspects physically because she kind of reminded me of my mom when my mom was younger. Yeah, she had red hair like that and had the big blue eyes and yeah. and um, but uh, Lucille Ball is a pioneer. Yes. In the truest and purest we, sense. I think we got to see her off. A trailblazer. We did. Yeah. We did. Yeah. A true trailblazer. Uh, had an incredibly hard upbringing and made uh, something of her, more than something of herself, a legacy, you know, and just was such a class act. And uh, yeah, everything you said, I completely agree with. Yeah. I, the, the talent is unparalleled. It, it, it's off the charts good. And my mother was a big fan of the show. I could tell. I mention my parents a lot because I watched a lot of TV and movies with mm-hmm. them as I grew up. And I know that my mom loved I Love Lucy, which is repetitive. <laughs> yeah. But I know, I can tell when my mom is really into somebody and she champions them because when she watches Lucille Ball, it's like a family member for her. Mm-hmm. She she loved Lucy. Yeah. And, we all, everybody did. And, I mean, there's a reason why the show is called I Love Lucy. <laughs> I, 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 I'm re, and I always did, but... As I've watched it in recent years, I'm beginning to appreciate that show more and more mm-hmm. for how sharp the writing was. Because people say, well, they're, sh- they, they're using, like, gimmicks and kind of basic setups. The slapstick and, you're right. comedy. But that was of its time. That, not only that, but they're, they're very sharp and very funny still. But they also pioneer. They were the first to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody else ripped Absolutely, them off. yes. And yes. they were the best at it because that, that show was very, very sharp. Lucy's timing and her... And her nonverbal acting was impeccable. Yes. That woman could tell a story with her eyes. I mean, I think <laughs> of the chocolate belt, the conveyor belt scene. She's not even talking. You yeah, know, yeah. and you're and you're her and Ethel, Vivian Vance, I mean, the two of them, like mm-hmm. it's just pure brilliance. And you know, you watch that show, especially being somebody interested in comedy and being a woman, and you just have nothing but like admiration and just man, like if I could be the tiniest fraction of that, I'd be so grateful. Yes. You know, I mean, just total awe. And if people are fans of I Love Lucy, they should really check out a movie uh, called The Long, Long Trailer from 1954. It's with Desi and Lucy as a couple going on the road. It's like a precursor to the vacation movies because it's a couple 
trying to Which live is in probably the inspired the vacation movies, maybe. Uh, I'm sure there's a yeah. parallel there. Uh-huh. Desi Arnaz is just as good as Lucy yeah. in this movie. It shocked me how, how funny that he's almost the butt of the joke sometimes. He's such a good comedic actor. And, and yeah. think about that. Exactly. It You know, we all know this. It's... It's just as challenging to be the straight man as it is to be the goof. Yes. It is hard, yeah, because you're you not... You know, yeah. It's fantastic. And yeah. usually you're the, fun, you're the funniest person on the show. It's yeah, just, yeah. Know. I completely agree with you, though, Sean. In fact, Lucy was actually higher on my list, but I'm going to, I think, retweak between that. She was my number five. <laughs> so I'm going to retweak. Oh, I'm going to... No, no, no. This gives me a chance to highlight somebody else. Substitute. Um, exactly. But for all those reasons that I said that you said, I mean, Lucy's just... The the mecca. No, that's that's Perfect. absolutely right. Yeah, for sure. Well, now that we know where our tastes lie, because there's a lot of crossover. Well, and ours, actually, speaking is... of crossover, this Lucy is a perfect segue into my number eight character. Because of Lucy and her production company, Desilu, they were the only company to believe in a little show called Star Trek. Oh. And thanks to, true story, thanks to Desilu Productions, mm-hmm. Star Trek um, became, a, a, aired, was made, basically. Um, and so, my number nine, excuse me, my number eight character is Mr. Spock. Oh. I love Mr. Spock. Did you guys ever watch Star Trek? Yeah, we yeah, did. It was, it was definitely, uh, uh, it was a, uh, um, staple. Again, one my of the dad shows my loved parents it. Yeah. watched yeah. all Same, the time. Yeah, the my dad, yes. cast and everything. Yes, yeah. Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, not for any of the big bang nerdy reason. There's nothing of that going on here, but for the true character of Mr. Spock, um, Again, I think he's one of those quiet characters that adds so much value. Um, when I was a little girl, I would watch Star Trek with my dad, and the, his pointy ears, of, you know, of course, and the, you know, just, just his physicality caught my eye, and I was like, this, why does this guy look different, you know? Because mm-hmm. he's from another world, you know? Yeah, and, he is, yeah. And um, I always am, I, I love how uh, just the character, everything that Spock represents and everything he stands for, that outsider coming in, his sort of cool, calm, collected confidence, his philosophical approach, his his um, logical approach to life, um, being a, you know an Italian woman who's very emotional in comparison to being, I guess, more logical. There's a lot that I admire about the character of Spock and how he kind of conducts himself. And mm-hmm. he had a very bad upbringing and a very bad like life, but you would have never known that in the way that he treated people and the way that he conducted himself. And um, from a pop culture standpoint, Spock is... He's everywhere. He's, ev- yeah. he's he, you know, he's in- just incredibly beloved. Um and if I had to guess, I'd say it's for a lot of those reasons. It's it's really who he was, you know, the kind of person he was, what he stood for. And and if you go back now and you watch Star Trek as an adult, which I did, actually. I got real into the original episode about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, just rewatch it with adult eyes versus, mm-hmm. you know, five-year-old eyes. You, you just process things a little bit differently. And I just really had a huge, like, I don't know. He touched my heart. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. I just started watching the original Star Trek a few years ago prior, mm-hmm. uh, uh, three or four years ago, because they were putting on a marathon, and I was amazed at the acting on the show, mm-hmm. especially with, with Leonard Nimoy, one of those mm-hmm. examples of how he commits completely to that yes. character and makes it a very believable, full-dimensional character. Yeah. So uh, I'm a big fan of that original cast. Mm-hmm. You know. Right, so 
it's just yeah, yeah it's just a, one of those great I think shows that because there's been so many iterations of it I feel in a way like the original mm-hmm. has lost its luster sometimes for people you know even now there's what Star Trek movies being yeah. made and it it's been it's been retold so many ways that it it's it's been broken apart yeah um, but if you go back and you watch like the original. It's great. Yeah. I, I compare it to like I'd say the original Star Trek series for me is on par with like the Twilight Zone for science fiction Ooh, absolutely. television. Love the Twilight like, Zone. Very intellectual. Yes. There's an episode yes. I remember that I love of the original Star Trek where a man becomes a god, mm-hmm. and they really go through the process of this man losing his humanity to become a god, and then wow. Kirk has to kind of take him away. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of that show. I actually love the original series. It's my favorite. And Twilight Zone, there's really no characters on that per se. You know, I yeah. guess if you want to say Rod Sterling. But you're exactly right. And my father, who's a very intelligent man, loved those were two of his favorite shows: Star Trek, the yeah. original, and Twilight Zone. And I used to watch those with him as a kid. Yeah. And, and it's those reasons. I mean, I remember being a young girl, feeling like I'm having these like deep thoughts. You know, like are other five year olds thinking these things? <laughs> yeah. And 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 the message on humanity, especially with Star Trek, it's just incredible. So when you watch it, you know, I encourage you guys if you haven't seen it as an adult, you know, especially after some crazy couple years we've all had you know you may have a a newfound appreciation for it absolutely yeah and it's it's you know it's definitely uh it's inspired yes uh the character on the show on the show i'm gonna talk about definitely i mean it's been talked about on it but uh the character i have is troy mcclure from the simpsons (laughs) oh my god played by so troy mcclure if you don't know is played by phil hartman does the voice and Mm -hmm. he's an actor in his catchphrase, as he names movies he's been in, which are parodies titles of other movies. So I thought I'd say a few of the ones like um, Leper in the Backfield, like Angels, <laughs> <laughs> Angels in the Outfield. And then it says, uh, <laughs> Suddenly Last Supper. Like Suddenly Last Summer? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, The Muppets Go Medieval. Um, yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> that would too. But yeah. it, Dial M for Murderousness. <laughs> <laughs> That's and great. the boat jacking of Super Ship Seventy Nine, <laughs> but what's great is that he used the, the, that kind of similar. But he would go into other like he would do like educational. So the the, the phrase was, "I'm Troy McClure. You should you know me from such films." And he would name <laughs> and uh, like Alien Nose Job was a television TV show. Alien Sounds Nose like the name of like an alternative band. The Five yeah. Fabulous <laughs> Weeks of the Chevy Chase Show. <laughs> Only five <Fantastic>. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> America's funniest tornadoes. Uh, uh, Christmas Ape and Christmas Ape Goes to Camp for cartoons he was in Wow! Um, and then he did uh, computer travel guides hats off to Fargo pinch <laughs> me <laughs> pinch me I'm in Boise so I mean it was just it was a great um, he was like a B movie actor right and he was just he was washed up and he would just show up in Springfield you know and he would uh, be like a celebrity and he would try to you know he gave you his resume and it was just a great. Obviously, Phil Hartman's one of the funniest people that's ever absolutely. lived. Absolutely, absolutely, no uh, doubt. You know, he just nailed that character and, and his voice. I oh, mean, for a cartoon character, you can't get any better. They were thinking about redoing the character after Phil Hartman tragically, you know, died, but um, they decided to retire the character, mm-hmm. uh, which was night, nice, which was the best. Yeah. Which yeah, is basically you could kind of tie the heyday of the Simpsons like where it was at its best to when Phil Hartman was you know because it was like 98 and that was it's it's still a good show and that character I can't help but think probably inspired the Adam West character on Family Guy 
Well, Adam West character. Adam West inspired the Adam West character because this. Well, but I mean the whole washed up B actor coming into the town, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's kind of what I mean. Yeah, it definitely was a trope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Mm. but definitely Adam West was a big. Influence, we all uh, love Adam West. Yeah. <laughs> the RV yeah, skit, the yard sale. To the converted. <laughs> yeah. We need to put a link to that on the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm a uh, huge Adam West fan. <laughs> you know, Adam West can be brought up, so I don't want to talk too oh, much about him. Oh, okay. But, um, um, yeah, it's it's a... Uh, no, I, I mean, The Simpsons have a million characters, so uh, yeah. part of the beauty... And this is not a character that was in every episode. He was in, you know, you know... Maybe half of it, you know, in a season at the time, but um, always happy to see him like many of those characters on that show. No, I, I, there's so many characters from The Simpsons. There's probably that, a million uh, that are great, yeah. and it's one it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, it may appear eventually yeah. on one of these programs. Well, I, I just like mostly I like highlighting these actors like James Avery and uh, Phil Hartman. You know, mm-hmm. just get a chance to talk about these people that you might not get a chance because we do movies right. and, you know, they don't have extensive movie careers. No, and, not at all. So uh, when will you ever get a chance to, you know, talk about these great characters and actors? Well, my number eight does have somewhat of a – did somewhat want to have a – as a character actor, a film career before he made it onto a sitcom, which is returning, that we just talked about, being called Night Court. But a different character. This one would be Dan Fielding, played by John Larroquette. And I love this character. I know he's a sleazy. sleazy. I don't know if that character would translate well into the modern age, but I love it all the same. And I think John Larroquette is absolutely brilliant in the role. He won four Emmys in a row for playing that that character as Best Supporting Actor. He beat all the Cheers guys in that. And I think they kind of cancel each other out. Even Frazier? Yeah. Yeah, they had so many supporting characters that you would cancel. You know, all the votes would go. (laughs) That's true, yeah. It was basically Dan Fielding and the cast of Cheers. That's basically how those categories (laughs) broke down in the 80s. See, that's a show I I never watched, Night Court. Oh. I I don't know what I'm missing. it's It's a funny, quirky, absurd Great ensemble cast. Um, yeah, I think you'd like it if you I've ever heard of it. To, yeah. yeah, I've just never. It was kind of before my time, you know. It was very popular in the eighties. It was part of the must see TV lineup in the nineteen eighties with NBC. It was the Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, and, and Night Court was was the big lineup. And Night Court was a very absurd, kind of silly, absurdist sitcom. There were some heartwarming moments, like a lot of sitcoms have, but their comedy was very off the wall and almost ahead of its time in a way. Um, John Larroquette played kind of like a sleazy, womanizing lawyer, uh, also kind of pretentious, always kind of dressed up because it was a night court, yeah. so he was like overqualified probably for the job in a way. <laughs> but he he was relentlessly horny constantly, <laughs> and was that he was a pr- prosecutor on the show? Uh, he was. He was yeah. a prosecutor. Yeah, uh, very dry sense of humor. John Larroquette has great is great with physical comedy, but very disciplined physical comedy. Is he the guy? I feel like really ignorant even asking this, but is he the guy that played, um, so that I could put a face, Richie in the It movie with Tim Curry? No, no. That might have been Harry Anderson, I think, was Was in the original. Was he on Night Court, too? Yes, he was Okay, because I'm putting his face. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of, um, have you seen the Bill Murray movie Stripes? Have you seen the Twilight Zone movie? This is a very minor Have you seen Richie Rich? With Macaulay Years Culkin. ago, I mean, in the 90s. He was, he was the, the villain. He was the villain in Richie Rich. Rich. Oh, 
if you have ever, you, if you saw him, you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, I probably him. know him. Yeah, Larry Kent hasn't been as active in like the mainstream, like mainstream shows in recent years. Although Mike Court is might be getting a revival with Harry's daughter. Yeah, uh, that might be interesting. But he, well, he had a John Larroquette had other sitcoms that were good and he oh, also oh yeah <laughs> he looked them up <laughs> yeah yeah he, he's, he's definitely someone that you, I think he guest spot he, he sometimes shows up as an actor on other sitcoms yes. like oh there he is and he's, I know he was on he's Parks kind and of Rec one of those time. like guys yeah yeah, yeah I, I kind of miss seeing him more frequently honestly because he's great uh, he was the last time I saw him in anything was Southland Tales which was a bomb that was created by the guy who, who directed Donnie Darko uh, which also started The Rock. It was a very eclectic, weird cast. Mm. And Molly Sean was in this movie, and so was John Larroquette and a bunch of other people. But uh, I love Dan Fielding. Um, pretty much you can watch any episode of Night Court, and you're going to get a taste of it. I think one that would be a great one to watch is when Terry Hatcher was a guest star. She was, the, I think, the niece of Larroquette's boss at the time, and he could not date her, but she kept seducing him through the whole episode and it is a great example of, of both the character and, and Larry Kitt's talents as a comedic actor highly recommend you check that out I'll have to check that out yeah especially since it's in both of your second halves yeah. yes yeah, yeah definitely look look for Night Court it definitely holds up I think yeah he was on the famous Galentine's Day episode of Parks oh, and Rec oh okay as a, a Leslie Nope's mom Love interest, so that's amazing. Oh, I did not okay. know he was on Parks wow. and Rec. I'm yeah. gonna have to watch that now. Pamela Reed played his love interest. Side note: There's a great recurring. There are great recurring characters on Night Court called the Wheelers. What? No joke. Yeah. Yes. Really? They're they're hilarious too. And speaking of Star Trek, the guy who played uh, Data on the Next Generation uh-huh. plays the the father Wheeler. Oh wow! They're very. Crazy, absurd, fun characters. Remember so. the Wheelers and Return to Oz. Yeah, yeah. There's also <laughs> famous, a famous episode. There's another Wheeler on another sitcom we'll be mentioning, but he won't yeah. be one of my top ten. But he yeah. is in one of my favorite shows. So, um, so that's Tony, my number eight. So okay. number seven. Number seven. Lucky number seven. You guys are going to have zero to say about this, uh, probably, because I don't think either one of you has <laughs> seen this yeah. show. But I think this character is incredibly relevant. Oftentimes, maybe misunderstood, overlooked, certainly. Um, but um, my number seven pick is Samantha Jones on Sex and the City, played by Kim Cattrall. Oh, okay. Oh. Have you guys ever seen Sex and the City? Well, I, I know of the show. I'm okay. very familiar, but I have never watched like it. Which succession. this is probably a shock for folks listening because I am definitely a Charlotte, as they say, which is the Kristen <laughs> Davis character. It's definitely yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but the reason I love Samantha so much is for everything she represents. And certainly in the late 90s, Sex and the City became such a groundbreaking show just by virtue of the title, you know, talking about sex, having, you know, the sex scenes and just having um, what might be considered a a more realistic, like, approach to girlfriend relationships and actual dating relationships and what it's like to be a single person Mm -hmm. in your 20s and 30s, right? Um, But the thing I love so much about Samantha Jones is that she is unapologetically herself. And, you know, it's funny. When I watched this show in high school, so, you know, 17, 18-year-old Tony, who was um, the epitome of the good girl and, and mm-hmm. the old-fashioned values and all this, I, I thought, oh, my goodness, Samantha. Oh, she's so promiscuous. Oh, my, you know, I just, I 
viewed her in a totally different way. But uh, probably a year or so ago, um, before the reboot was being made for this, Sex and the City was on Amazon Prime, and I watched the whole series again from top to bottom. And with adult eyes, I just kind of fell in love with Samantha. I was like, the fact that she is so open. She's a very open Mm -hmm. and honest person in every single way. Incredibly sexual, but she owns her sexuality. She's not embarrassed or ashamed to um, be transparent about, like, her sexual nature, if you will, and everything that goes about that. And there has never been a character up until that point that has ever been that way. Certainly not a woman. She was a successful PR rep. She was independent. She didn't settle for anything, like, less or anything that she felt wasn't honoring herself. She dated men. She had relationships. She was very serious with this one guy, but he, um, you know, was unfaithful. And basically her, one of the things that she says to him is, because she tries really hard to look look over that, and it's just the whole time she's just paranoid. She can't trust him. And then she just gets to a point and says, you know, I love you so much, but I love me more. Yeah. And I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I just, as an adult woman now, watching that again, I'm like, good for her. Like, yes. I admire her so much. She didn't um, compromise who she was, what she stood for. Um, she didn't let men bully her or take advantage of her. She was 100% the driver's seat in her life. Um, she was also a really compassionate friend. She didn't judge the other friends like some of the other characters did with each other on that show. She really was who she was. Um, and uh, I think from a character-driven standpoint, you know, um, just a remarkable character, one that certainly changed the landscape for a female character in that sense, you know, for years to come in sitcoms or TV shows after Sex and the City. But, um, and I think Kim Cattrall did a fabulous job playing her. Samantha is a, a hilarious. You would love her, like, her, her one-liners. Like, she's mm-hmm. the comedic relief of the show, believe it or not. Oh. She is hilarious. She's just brilliant. And, and, and uh, in many ways, like, a lot of the characters I'm tending to sort of pick... Uh, shines every time she's on screen. She's not obviously the main character. That would be Sarah Jessica Parker. But she's one of those that when she comes on screen, she's got something funny to say, or even in her heartfelt moments, like when her character had breast cancer, um, she just had such a great perspective Mm -hmm. and was a really good friend of the other girls and really um, had good values in the sense of owning who she was and not compromising that. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is hard to do. Right, it is. And she was still a good person, you know? Like, she mm-hmm. really was a good, she had a good heart. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think she, in some ways, can be a role model. No, absolutely. If you look past, you know, the sexual stuff, which I think people get so hung up on. Right. Yeah. About a character like that. Yeah. And that's why she never, I don't, I think she may have been nominated a few times, but would have never won an, an Emmy over, like, a Sarah Jessica Parker type. But I think she's one of the, she's probably the, Arguably one of the strongest. I know a lot of people really like Miranda, too, which is the Cynthia yeah. Nixon character. Um, but, yeah, anyway, great, great character. You should just look up on YouTube, Sean, like the best of Samantha Jones. I will. She's, Kim Cattrall's phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah. great. Like, it, it's kind of cool because I never really, obviously, I don't think I was the demographic target. For <laughs> exactly. That's why I knew out. you guys wouldn't have a lot to say. But, yeah. uh, but I don't want to see it now. Like, So it's kind of cool. Like We're mm-hmm. introducing you to Night Court. You're introducing us mm-hmm. to Sex and the City. Not that we're introducing each other <laughs> yeah. to that. But I'll have to check that out because 
the show would not have lasted as long as it has in the popular consciousness mm-hmm. if it was just one a one note salacious show. Anyway, there was obviously yeah. a lot of wit and intelligence in the writing of that Absolutely. show that yeah. keeps and, it going. And when it and also it was a show of its time, but also ahead of its time. Yeah. yeah. And um, for that, you know, it's why it's so popular. But but there's a reason why, like right now, they're making the Sex and City reboot. I'm sure you guys are privy to that. So many fans are really disappointed that the Samantha character's not in it. Kim Cattrall's not coming back. There's a reason why. She's beloved. She's it's a great character. It is. It mm-hmm. is. Well, my number seven is from a more recent show, um, and it, it's uh, Maura Rose from Schitt's Creek, played by Catherine O'Hara. Yes. Oh. So, uh, another <laughs> washed-up uh, actor that I like. <laughs> I, you mean I, character. Yeah. No, uh, she plays a washed-up wash actor. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 definitely. <laughs> I, I will. Hey, I'm not going to have anybody trash Catherine O'Hara <laughs> no, on this podcast. No, Catherine O'Hara is one of the greatest comedic <laughs> actresses. I mean, if you want to say the best comedic actresses are Lucy O'Ball and Catherine O'Hara is number two, you would not be out. You would not. I, nah. I have, there's somebody in my second half that. But I mean, you would, be, you would not be crazy because Catherine Harris phenomenal, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and and she's she I mean, the character on that show is great. I mean, she she plays it perfectly. She has an accent you can't really pinpoint, which is fun. Yeah, it, it almost kind of, seems like it's a pretentious actor accent, like she's just trying to be more than she is. Yeah, and she's so good for Eugene Levy, who's one of the great um, yes. comedic, and the, the whole cast is a great, it's a hilarious show. Um, deserved all the claim that it got. Absolutely. Uh, and it's funny because most people, it starts out kind of sl- you, people. It's, it starts out slow to get into, but once you get once the characters lock in, um, it's it's just a just a really fun and you know one of my favorite lines is when she, they ask her what her favorite season is and she says awards. <laughs> <laughs> awards season. <laughs> awards season. Oh. Uh, and you know she just wants to get. You know, she has no clue. She was on a, sick, a soap opera for a long time, and that's how she got popular. Uh, but she, she never really attained any level beyond that. Yeah. You know, she was just one of those long-standing soap opera stars. Um, so she's known, but at the same time, people put her in a box, you mm-hmm. know, and, and underestimate her. Yeah. Um, Which so a lot of plays, women can relate to that. Yeah. In general, yeah. So, um and she's kind of seen as flighty and you know not intelligent, but you know, uh, like any great character, or they frivolous. Are surpri- yeah, yeah, they they, yeah. they, they surprise you, mm-hmm. you know, um, with the kind of the uh, the heart of them, exactly. Yeah, and and that's that's a yeah. At some level, these characters, as as aloof and as crazy and quirky and absurd, they have to have some heart. Even a Dan mm-hmm. Felding has to yeah. show at least and a Samantha yeah. Jones, yeah, exactly. exactly. They have to show yeah. some kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. They always like show them like. Even a small amount of empathy or just humanity um, mm-hmm. and, makes and, a difference. And also just the comedy. Another great comedic duo, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. Yes. I mean, anything they're in, you don't even have to say no more. I'll watch it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I confess I have not watched Shit's Creek, and I should because everybody's raving about it. It's just one of those shows I have not gotten around to watching, and I love everybody in the cast. I yeah. love Eugene Levy, and I love Catherine O'Hara. What I did find fascinating is when a lot of younger people were shocked to find out because they were fans of Shit's Creek that Catherine O'Hara was the mother in Home Alone and she was in yeah. Beetlejuice and I love that I love how they were like oh my god that was the same lady you well know, she does look very different in Shit's Creek with the well talk yeah. about being She's, relevant yeah. for 40 years 
I mean, she was on SCTV. She I was, know. and then now she's still relevant. I mean, she's mm-hmm. still people. That's incredible. That's a the same thing with Eugene yeah. Levy. Same thing could be said. Uh, with absolutely, Eugene they're, Levy. They're I mean, the two of them and yeah. Best of Show, which we need to cover that at some point on this podcast. Absolutely, I absolutely love that movie. Oh, I do too. <laughs> the two of them on that—they're just yeah, they're it's outstanding. <laughs> you won't hire any arguments from me about yeah. any of those people: Eugene <laughs> Levy, Catherine O'Hara, and that's a great choice. I have an actress on my number seven. Okay. Uh, we're going back to Cheers territory again. Um, I think she's a bit underrated nowadays, and she's a terrific actress, and I love the character. It's Diane Chambers from Cheers. Shelley. Shelley Long, yeah. yeah. Um, she's kind of polarizing because people that love Cheers tend to go into two different camps. They either love Diane or Rebecca. Yeah. You don't really meet too many people that, or that love them. Or yeah. yeah. Well, Lilith, I, because she wasn't the main romantic exactly. interest, but yeah. it's, it's kind of like Marianne and Ginger kind of, th- yeah. not even that, um, because I think people feel like you either preferred the second half of the show or the first half. I think uh, I could easily put Sam Malone and Ted Danson here. I love Ted Danson's work. There's so many other characters from Cheers I could put on this list. I picked Diane because I think there's something unique and fundamental, even outside of that relationship with Sam, that makes her such a compelling character for me and fun character to watch. She is a pseudo-intellectual, mm-hmm. but she has a heart of gold. She loves and cares for everybody. She always means well, but she always gets above and, uh, ahead of herself yeah. in situations. And her phys- – again, another great underrated physical comedian is Shelley Long. Some of the ticks that she brings on the show, they're very understated but very succinct. Mm-hmm. And her rapport with, 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 with Ted Danson is so strong on that show. I love watching them interact with each other. Uh, there's a – famous episode where they start slapping each other in the middle of it and then they they just get into like antics where they're pulling each other's nose and it's such great physical comedy to watch uh and i have a soft spot for diane i think it's because she's trying so hard to impress people as a pseudo-intellectual and to feel like she's above the bar and yet she really does care about everybody else Mm -hmm. and she looks out for everybody so i've always been a big fan i think shelly long in in general is a very true uh, I do too. I think Shelley Long is is great. She, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I think the other thing that that's um, makes the character of Diane really endearing is certainly at that point in time in the eighties. I think there were a lot of women that were struggling with the same things that that character struggled with, which was that need and desire to have a man, but also that yearning to have that taste of independence and to feel that you were an independent working woman making it on your own. You know, the 80s was still a unique time in that respect. Yeah. You're coming off the, the, the feminism wave of the 70s, um, and a lot of women were very um, uh, torn between what their role should be. You know, I think there were a lot of women that wanted to be the mother and the wife, but also really enjoyed that that independence. And I think that character of Diane, when I go back and I watch it as an adult now, that's kind of the vibe I get from her. Because you remember that episode where you go to her apartment and she has all the dolls? Yes, I She's love that. She's very much like a little girl trying to make it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women resonate with that. Um, and, you know, again, I think that's what makes that character really endearing. Because in spite of her immaturity, because she, she's very immature um, and a little self-centered, yeah. there's, there's, an innocent, there's an innocence there. And uh, there's a relatability there, too, that I think a lot of women say, I felt that same way, or I've been through something similar. I, I want the guy like she wants the guy, too, but I don't want the guy to know I want him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, it, was, it was a really great uh, character for the t- like of that time. Would a Diane character fly today? Mm, maybe not in the um, protagonist sense. Mm-hmm. She might be viewed, I think, maybe as more 
antagonistically. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but a great, yeah, a great character, you know, nonetheless. Very much so appropriate for that show, you know, and for that time, I think, in society. Yeah, one thing that Cheers always explored was class issues, issues mm-hmm. of class, between yes. the working class and the upper class. It's never been over, it was ever overstated on the show, but it was which, always there. Which was a yeah. theme in the 80s, was it not? The preps yeah. and the nerds. It's a theme the now. Ri- <laughs> you know, pretty and pink, the rich kids and the poor kids. Yeah. That was a huge thing in the 80s, so you're absolutely right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're down to the finish line here. Uh, <laughs> number six. Well, six. number six. Uh, I hope you, I hope you guys will have something to say about this one, and hopefully I didn't steal anybody else's characters no. here. No. But um, all I'll say is she can turn the world on with her smile. Oh, well, I kind of know where we're going with Mary this. Richards. Yeah, ah, the Mary great, Tyler Moore show. Great character. Great yes. character. And uh, I mean, Mary Tyler Moore. What can you say? Just. Everybody loves her as a human. Mm-hmm. And and the character really is a lot like Lu- the Lucy character, which is, I feel like, just a heightened and uh, uh, overstated version of the actual person. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like when we're watching the Mary Tyler Moore show, you're really watching Mary Tyler just in a Hollywood setting. Right. You know, there's that... Th- there's just a likability. But one of the things I really love about that character, um, in contrast to what we were just talking about with Diane, is how um well first of all that show broke so many barriers with having a female lead who was independent wasn't married you know was working had an apartment just sort of that feministic um uh mindset and lifestyle which you really didn't see in television up until that point right and so for that i love it just the groundbreaking nature of it um there's a wholesomeness to the show, you know, to that character. There's that every girl quality. You either are a Mary or you know a Mary. Yeah. Right? Um, and same thing with Diane, just in a different way. There's, I think many women, certainly like myself, can relate to her because at the end of the day, we're all just looking for friendship. We're looking for love. We're looking for fulfilling work. We're just trying to make it. And, um, yeah, I just think it's one of those, you take away the 70s, like the 70s, um, Take away the costumes, the 70s, the, hang on, what am I trying to say? The story and the character can easily be adapted into today. Yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. It's a timeless quality to it um, because it's such a great character. And it, 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 the show was written about so many things young women who are starting out like that struggle with, what they want, what they're trying, you know. Yeah, I just, it's a great show and I love the character. Um, I love her too. In fact, I revisited it recently. That's another show I revisited, and I was amazed at how good Mary Tyler Moore is on the show mm-hmm. and how funny she is in reacting to the other characters. Mm-hmm. The acting is superb on that show from start to finish. It is a great show. Uh, I uh, really, I, I think she, she's one of those great leads and a groundbreaking character too. Like mm-hmm. it was a working woman who was also independent, also struggling, kind of like Diane, to figure yeah. her way out in the world. Different character from Diane. Yeah. But uh, and she had like a best friend of Rhoda, Rhoda. Yes. Yeah, who Which was we, similar exactly. situation yeah. as her. You know, they were they're just two girls trying to make it. Yeah. I, I think they broke the Bechtel test a few times on that show. I'm sure between mm-hmm. some of the conversations they had. You know, no doubt. Yeah, they and the issues about, that yeah. they dealt with. Yeah, and being an independent, you know, being a woman, a young woman, unmarried. It was probably yeah. a precursor to Sex in the City because he had 
uh, two women, I'm not like, like talking yeah, about, it, but there exactly, was that female exactly. relationships in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and then her, how she navigated in a, like a man's world of hard yes. right? and how she stayed true to herself, which was is something I really love. Yeah. Yes, she didn't let that jade her, you know, and uh, she was a great friend to Rhoda. You know, Mary had a good relationship with her family. Yeah. You know, she had good values. She had a good sense of character. You know, um, she didn't let the city or the men or her job, like, harden her. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it's a fantastic show. Groundbreaking show. Kind of influenced so many other sitcoms that came mm-hmm. afterwards. And that character obviously influenced a lot of people as well. Well, my uh, number six is also, a, um, I would say, a, a legendary actress as well. I mean, we've talked about some of the others, but... Uh, um, Selena Meyer from Veep, played by Julia Louise Dreyfus, oh, which Julia is a Louise different kind of. <laughs> a lot of people would probably pick another character of hers. <laughs> um, I've never seen Veep. It, it's you know I, I I watched it over you know twenty twenty winter on uh, HBO Max. It's it's a hilarious show, and she plays a. She doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities. She's ultra ambitious. She's she you know puts aside her family. She's you know doesn't treat her well. She wants to. She's vice president. She wants to be president, and then that's what the series is about. And she feels she feels unappreciated. Um, but she's also you know has all those. She's so ambitious that she doesn't you know that's all she cares about is you know everything's transactional to get her to where she wants. But she still makes it likable. I know people like that. Yes. But she still makes it likable, you know, Mm -hmm. and she still... That's because it's Julia. It's Julia Anybody else, and it may not have been. Yeah, Yeah, she's so great. And she's just, uh, I mean, she's the most acclaimed, award-winning, Emmy-winning actress in the history of TV. Is she really? Yes. I didn't know that. I think she's won the most, I think. Yeah. Uh, Across three shows. Yeah. So I mean, she's and some of those shows weren't good, but she's always she's always great in everything. She's so. so great in Arrested Development when she plays the blind lawyer. I mean, again, that little bit part. She shows so up good. and stuff. Yeah, she, she always delivers. But uh, yeah, I mean, the reason I didn't pick the, Elaine is um, a great character, um, but she was a star of this show. She's she's the, um, you know, she she's what it revolves around, mm-hmm. you know. Because um, it's called Veep, she's the vice president when it started the show. So, um, and it's got a great ensemble cast. Uh, but again, it, it it doesn't break ground because there's players. But you know, it's an unlikable, yeah. not an unlikable, but a character that that it's you have. They have the right sophisticated, you know, things to make make her likable and redeeming. Right. Usually written. I have a, a character, character usually, like that on my second. Yeah, we'll a talk character about that's re- usually written for a man. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's great. Uh, I put her on par with Lucille Ball and Mary Tyler Moore and a lot of the greats on television because she's had, like, what, three sitcoms that have been successful at least. You know, Veep and Seinfeld are probably the big ones, but I think she was that show, The uh, New Adventures of Old Christine. Is that what it's oh, called? Oh, that's yeah. right. I, did she win for that? or she? Win? I don't know if she did or not. There's I, another I show say. she had that she won for. She People I've forget she was that, on yeah. SNL. She was actually... I do forget she was on SNL. Yeah. yeah she was actually a guest star... On the show I'm about to have mentioned, and that's how she started breaking in, where she became the Julia Louis Drivers we knew. What's not? What's not wait around? Uh, no, what's not to be around the bush? <laughs> uh, she was a guest star on a show called Family Ties, oh. uh, and she was on a spinoff of Family Ties called Day by Day. But going back to Family Ties, I picked a character that meant a lot to me in the 1980s, 
and that was Alex P. Keaton. I knew Michael he'd J. show Fox. up somehow. Yeah. <laughs> he had to. Um, he had to. I'll be honest. There are characters from Family Ties that I would love to have highlighted on this list. I think Michael Gross as Stephen Keaton is completely underrated as, as a comedic actor. Yeah. He's one of the funniest characters on that show. I think Justine Bateman as Mallory is also extraordinarily good. Uh, I have a soft spot for this show. I grew up in the 80s. It was my favorite sitcom at that time. And Michael K- J. Fox was my favorite actor. And I think everybody knows Marty McFly because Back to the Future is indelible and it's extraordinarily popular with countless generations. But I don't know how many generations know about mm-hmm. Alex B. Keaton and how good Michael J. Fox was in that role. And it's a more complicated character than yeah. Marty. It's a conservative. He's You know, you're not used to conservative teenagers, you know, like... Like Michael J. Fox, he was well dressed and almost I like am. a proto I went to high school in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there were probably many of those. Uh, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. But kind of a young, aspiring yuppie, Reagan-esque Republican, especially in high school, was very funny because he was precocious. Alex mm-hmm. was kind of wise, like an old soul in a way. But it, but Michael J. Fox's delivery is and his timing are out of the park good. Well, Michael um, J. Fox is anything he's in is he's just a wonderful actor. He yeah, is, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. He's he's he just gets it. He has it, and he gets for, it for yeah, comedy. I, I mean, mean he, he <laughs> Back to the Future is a story of why Michael J. Fox is brilliant, and you know, you know, they wanted him for that movie. The, the fact that he had to film it at night while he was doing uh, Family Ties. Thankfully, he was able to put up with that to do it. I I, I guess I'm a big fan of losing with my list of kind of pretentious, greedy, <laughs> greedy, self-absorbed What do our lists say about us? <laughs> Sleazy. I mean, like, I look at Dan Fielding. Fraser Crane, not as much as the other two, but Dan Fielding and, and Alex B. Keaton certainly are kind of self-centered characters. Although Alex is a little more... He's likable. Oh, more likable, yeah. yeah. And he has a... You know, there's so many episodes where he's... You know... He will not... <laughs> he will not undersell someone for his... Whatever belief he has no no he you know what's right for you know people is it always comes first for him so his family i would like everybody if they can to kind of track down some of the key seasons like seasons two through five of family ties and just remind yourself what a great show it is i don't think it's a show that's in the conversation as much anymore of great sitcoms and i think it deserves to be in that conversation a little bit more than it is it was huge in the 80s everybody talked about it in the 80s but i think Maybe because it's a domestic sitcom, people don't talk about it as much. And mm. I wish they did, because I think there's more to Michael J. Fox than just Back to the Future. If you really want to see the full breadth of his comedic talents, really take a look at his work on Family Ties, because Alex is a great he, character. He was also great on Spin City, too. Yes, he 90s, was. I mean, really, anything I've ever seen Michael J. Fox in, and this is true, even Teen Wolf. He's great in. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he's he great in Teen Wolf. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, I honestly is. can't think of a bad role I've ever seen him. I, I, I really can't. He'd have to be terribly miscast where he wasn't. Yeah. I like an example is there's a great episode of Family Ties in which the kids begin because uh, both Steven and Elise go out of town. The kids start running the house as a hotel. And it is a <laughs> great episode. Not only is it great for Michael J. Fox's Alex, it's great for... Uh, Michael Gross as Stephen Keaton. It's one of the. It's my favorite episode of that series. I think it's one of the best episodes in, of any sitcom. Check it out. I, I, I won't even 
spoiler for people who haven't seen it because the ending is fantastic. Yeah. So I forget the name of the episode, but it's the hotel episode the of Family hotel. Ties. Well, these these lists could be top fives, I'm sure, but we they're not I our know. top five. No, they aren't. And we're going to keep you on that cliffhanger because uh, we're going to come back next time with our numbers five through one. We like to keep people on a cliffhanger. It's been a while. We want to keep you enticed. We want to keep you coming back for Give you more. something to look forward to. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, it's great to be back, everybody. It is yeah. great nice. to be back and taping. Uh, I hope everybody out there is is healthy and staying safe and sane as much yes. as possible through all the craziness going on. We prepared you with some great television to catch yeah. up on if you're yeah. looking for something new. Exactly. Go and take a look at any of these characters in any of their respective shows, and I think you won't be disappointed and in that. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, keep following us on Facebook and uh, Cinema Wheeler Tay. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you can find yeah, podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Uh, take care, and we'll see you next time see with the, nice. the second half of the list. Stay Bye. tuned. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such nature films as Earwigs. Ooh. And Man vs. Nature, The Road to Victory. Let me tell you a little story about fear, Buff. Uh, about a year ago, I'm, I'm up in my F-14 doing a test flight. I'm about 70,000 feet up. I had that puppy going Mach 2. All of a sudden, the fan belt goes out of me. And you know something? Any other pilot in that situation might have felt fear. But uh, not this guy. No, sir. Uh, Alex? That's Colonel Keaton. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Colonel Keaton, I mean? What is it? Your mother's here. <laughs> Samantha, where are you going? I'm gonna splash some water on my face and then I'm going home. And I will not be judged by you or society. I will wear whatever and blow whomever I want as long as I can breathe and kneel. <laughs>